Welcome to the Hippocratic Hope Podcast. My name is Beth Farrell, and I'm a tenacious and creative licensed clinical social worker with a desire to help medical and mental health professionals sustain their passion for healthcare. This podcast focuses on offering education and support to anyone whose day-to-day is centered around caring for others. Join me and my friends. We offer helpful information on self-care so you can continue to successfully carry the burden of caring for others. Welcome back to the Hippocratic Hope. Thank you for joining me again. I today want to talk about <clears throat> untreated suffering. First of all, what is it? What does it mean? And what does it mean if we have untreated suffering? The difference between difficulties in our experience and suffering can be really dangerous. So I first want to define internal suffering. Internal suffering is a private, internal experience that arises when we attempt to control and stop the natural sensations of our experience, often leading to unproductive behaviors that usually keep us in a state of inaction. You know, many of us are suffering due to social standards that have indicated to us that the internal experience isn't measurable, and therefore it should be dealt with stoic affect, critical self-reflection, and relentless self-control. You know, growing up, I was told and uh, learned sayings like mind over matter. If you just put your mind to it, you can do anything. But you know what? Life has taught me this. That's not entirely true. And the thing also is, Y'all, we are suffering far more than we need to because of this type of thinking. Before I move on, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice, first of all, that you have three types of awareness. You have the ability to observe what's around you, the color of the trees, the texture of a table, the temperature in a room. You can notice things that are happening in your body. Like if you put your hand over your wrist, you might be able to feel your heart rate or pulse point. You can feel yourself breathing and you can notice what it's like to have something happen to your body. And then you also have this other part of you that you can notice, which is the you noticing you're noticing. This is the part of you that experiences your life. It's a part of you that values caring for other people. And the the part of you that holds the account of what it's been like to experience life in your body. While we often attempt to suppress and change our internal experience, like, let's say, trying not to cry, particularly at work after we've been a part of a tragedy. We fear focusing on the experience will make it worse because why would I want to cry? Why would I want to feel bad and then embarrassed for crying and doing something socially unacceptable like crying at work? You know, in the Western world that I grew up in, I was taught that the state of a human is happy. 
I simply needed to do things that were good and important to me. And I would be happy because the entire United States is founded on the pursuit of happiness, right? And that as long as I continue to pursue happiness, that was good. But if I began to feel angry, depressed, or even envious and sad, I simply needed to push harder, keep going, or snap out of it. Because to reach the American reality of healthy and happy and a well-adjusted person, I needed to be happy and feel that way. And if I wasn't happy, my goal needs to be to figure out how to get back to happy. To stop crying, to stop letting that memory make me feel sad, scared, or angry. To just push through and ignore it. Now, I don't fault the founding group for using the word happiness. But I am challenging us to reflect on the consequences of not embracing a feeling as a goal in life, because it's pretty problematic. Because the truth is, our natural state isn't happy. As a species, we have recently created a maladaptive response to our internal experience. It's because we assumed that we had control over our emotions, our thoughts, and our memories, probably because we have the ability to observe them. When the reality is, you're struggling with something that is completely out of your control. And for many of you, trying to control something that you can't control is actually killing you slowly. I often hear people say things like, I want to stop thinking this way or that way. I want to feel differently about this, or I don't want to feel this any longer. Can you help me make it stop? And the reality is I can't, and neither can you. Our attempts to suppress our experience is what turn the natural pain of life into suffering. Think about it. Think about the last painful emotion that you had. Maybe one where you wanted to cry. What was more difficult? Crying or trying not to cry? What about not wanting to remember that tragic thing that happened over there? That happened to you or to them? Trying not to remember those things. Which is easier, to remember them or to stop remembering them? Now, you definitely sure can ignore them. It's a lot of effort to try to forget them. Because the answer to all of this is you are far less likely to suffer if you let your experience exist without trying to change it. Because your heart beats for a reason. And you cry for a reason. Now, it makes sense that we would also want to suppress or stop an unpleasant thought or feeling. When something is uncomfortable, running in the opposite direction or avoiding it keeps it from happening again. However, the reality is that you cannot run from your internal experience. 
While avoidance works when attempting to survive in the wild or get through a difficult situation, this particular safety reaction isn't transcendent to your overarching day-to-day internal experience. Being human means that we inevitably feel a range of diverse sensations, memories, and even thoughts. And if you don't have a willingness to feel what you truly feel, you're denying yourself the opportunity of living a meaningful life, and you're left in enduring suffering. Your job is simply to know what's going on and recognize that you can choose how to respond, no matter the situation, no matter the thoughts, and no matter the memories. You get to choose what to do with them. Not knowing that you have a choice in those moments and not learning to practice your choice in really difficult situations and learning to ignore the signals and sensations your body sends you, learning to ignore the memories that keep popping up and you keep pushing them away. We know scientifically that by avoiding memories, And listening to thoughts that really don't align with how you want to live your life, like you should be over this by now, or if you would have only spent a little longer, tried a little harder, it would have been different. If you ignore your exhaustion and you push yourself to keep going, because you know you haven't had any consequences yet, you're going to eventually find yourself in a dangerous situation. Because if you ignore your experience and attempt to suppress it over and over and over because it's uncomfortable to look back at that memory, it hurts. You're going to find yourself vulnerable to physical disease and even a life-threatening cognitive disease. We all have thoughts like, I can't do this anymore. No one is going to understand. And it's too big of a mistake to ever find happiness again. When we haven't practiced using our ability to choose how to respond to difficult thoughts and feelings, when we haven't learned how to embrace pain but not suffering, then we're going to find ourselves unaware of how to move forward. And when these difficult realities come, we are left feeling as if we don't have a choice. Or that we only have one choice. And often when someone gets there, usually unexpectedly, they can take their life. Some of you are getting sick. Because it's not culturally appropriate to say, that what you've experienced over the last year was horrific. And despite witnessing all these horrific things you were exposed to, you were expected to be on time. You were expected to only have six, six days. Six, like the number six, right? You were expected to also hold your tongue and to suppress your tears. Well, what would happen if you allowed yourself to feel your painful emotions? What would happen if you didn't use the extra effort to make yourself feel differently, but you just 
felt sad when you felt sad? What would it be like if you didn't struggle with it anymore? What if your your life wasn't focused on trying to make it back to happy, but to just be who you wanted to be in the moment? So Beth, how do I do that? Sounds a little hard. <laughs> you start by noticing without trying to change. You don't have to start with crying at work, <laughs> but you can start with noticing what it's like to not let yourself cry at work and then reflect on how that makes you feel. What does that do for the inside of your body? What's it like to get a full night's sleep versus picking up extra shifts and not going to bed on time? What's it feel like to simply carry that basket of clothes up the stairs versus leaving it for tomorrow? What's it like? You can also start with saying yes to an experience versus no. One of the tools from the teacher um, that I teach my patients from Steve Hayes is this skill that can help with any diagnosis. I want you to notice what's around you. And I want you to pretend you have sticky notes. One that says yes, and one that says no. And as you look around you, I want you to place sticky notes. If you're in your car, maybe on a radio station, yes or no. And if you're in a room, maybe looking at a picture or a coffee cup, would you put a yes or a no sticky note? Now let's pretend you put a no sticky note on your coffee. How does that make you feel? Do you feel uncomfortable? I know when I put a no sticky note on my coffee, I get a little angry. <laughs> no, I really want that coffee. I need it. I want a yes to be on there, but there's a no. Whew, okay. What if I put a yes sticky note on the coffee? I like that better. That feels good. When we say no to things, we often tend to tighten up, pull away, get stronger emotions. And usually that tightening up and those, that tension, maybe clenching of our fist and our jaw, holding our breath, actually is sending signals to our brain that is saying, hey, we have a problem and we're not actually helping the situation calm down. But by saying yes, I'm willing to acknowledge that I don't like what's happening right now. I'm not going to fight it. And I'm going to choose to enter into this experience willingly, without resistance, with a yes sticky note. That then is going to cause your body to open up, to stop sending guarded signals to your brain that we're in danger. But yes, I'm willing to want that piece of cake. I do want that. I'm not going to change my behavior, but I'm going to want that piece of cake. I don't need to talk myself out of it. Yes, I'm willing to walk back into that area of the hospital that I've been avoiding. It's going to be very painful. But I don't want to fight not going back anymore. I'm willing to experience what that meant.
don't forget to wear your masks and when you can get vaccinated. And remember, notice what it's like to wear a mask. Notice what it's like to be vaccinated. Notice what it's like before, during, after. And don't forget to see.